This episode is sponsored by Circle K. Get the most savings on every gallon when you fuel with the Circle K Fleet Card. Learn more at CircleKFleetCards.com. Hello and welcome to the State of the Fleet Industry, a weekly video series produced by Automotive Fleet Magazine, which is sponsored by Circle K. I'm Mike Antich, editor of Automotive Fleet, and today I'd like to examine what's occurring in the fleet industry for the week of February 14, 2022. And just when you think you've seen it all, you see situations such as the recent blockade of the Ambassador Bridge, and that's the bridge that connects Detroit to Windsor, Canada. And the blockade was instigated by Canadian truckers who were protesting Canada's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And the blockade started last Monday, February 6th, and it's now entering its sixth day, but it appears to be ending with today's news report saying that the Canadian police are now removing the blockading trucks to clear the bridge for through traffic. So you might be asking yourself, why am I talking about this blockade in my State of the Fleet Industry video series? Well, the reason in my mind is that this is just one more example of a choke point that has easily disrupted the automotive supply chain. And it points out that there are multiple vulnerabilities that can be found throughout the automotive supply chain, both here and abroad. I mean, prior to this, who would have thought of the Ambassador Bridge as a potential supply chain choke point? But think about it. Canada is our largest trading partner and 25% of all trade between our two countries goes over this single bridge. And because of this blockade, GM, Ford, and Toyota have all been forced to cut production last week at several plants in both the US and Canada due to delivery delays caused by automotive components unable to cross this bridge. And even after the bridge has been cleared, it's anticipated that it's gonna take another several weeks for the supply chain to fully return to normal. In fact, throughout the calendar year of 2021, the vulnerability of the automotive supply chain has never been more apparent. And this is continuing into 2022. The supply chain disruption that we're the most familiar with is the microchip shortage, which in my opinion, we've discussed to the point of ad nauseum, at least that's the way I feel about it. But nevertheless, it's a huge issue. And even if we anticipate that this microchip shortage should end by the end of this year, it's anticipated that calendar year 2022, there'll be 250,000 or a quarter of a million fewer vehicles built in the US due to this microchip shortage. And as a result of this tight product availability, as we all know, many fleets have been unable to source replacement vehicles and have been forced to keep vehicles in service beyond their normal replacement cycle. And these higher mileage fleet vehicles are now experiencing the predictable uptick of unscheduled maintenance incidents and the additional costs that are associated with them. In fact, Automotive Fleet and our survey partner, the fleet management company, MK, just completed our 26th annual fleet maintenance study. And to no one's surprise, maintenance costs are up. And there are a variety of factors that are contributing to the higher maintenance costs. But one of the biggest factors, and my prediction is this is a factor you're going to be hearing more about in the future, is the inflationary pressures on maintenance costs. And these inflationary pressures are widespread and are occurring up and down the supply chain. So for instance, we're seeing inflationary pressures creating higher commodity prices for materials used to manufacture tires, 
aluminum to build upfits, windshields, and so on. It, it's across the board. And these inflationary pressures are not just impacting material costs, but also labor rates. The ongoing shortage of qualified technicians is putting upward pressure on employers to offer higher and more competitive wages that in turn are being passed on to end users in the form of higher prices. And as we all know, these inflationary pressures go beyond fleet and are being felt throughout the entire economy. And just last Thursday, several days ago, on February 10th, the U.S. Department of Labor reported the largest increase in the consumer price index in the past 40 years, since 1982. And we know what the inflation was like in that period. We're all seeing inflationary prices in our everyday lives. We're seeing it at the grocery store. We're seeing it at restaurants. We're seeing it at the gas station. The asking price of homes, the price of used vehicles. And we're also seeing inflationary pressures in new vehicle prices. But the euphemism that's being used by dealers is to label these higher prices as market adjustments. These market adjustments are premiums that a dealer unilaterally tax on top of the MSRP price. And these market adjustments by dealers are not popular, obviously, and they've received rebukes and warnings from the, the major auto manufacturers who they are dealers for. These auto manufacturers are fearful that these dealers will add these market adjustments to the new EV models that are entering the market. They're going to be in tight demand. Uh, and potentially, these market adjustments could dampen consumer enthusiasm for the new EV product. At the moment, the focus is on the buyers of new EVs. But ultimately, this has been my contention for a long while, the focus needs to broaden to the buyer of used EVs. And as I've mentioned many times, the long-term viability of the EV market will be contingent upon the strength of the used market for secondhand EVs. And as years progress and as more EVs are in operation, there's one topic that hasn't been discussed a lot, and that's the impact of the larger EV market share on the residual values of their counterpart vehicles, namely the used gasoline and diesel engine vehicles. And we're starting to see our first glimpses of this potential impact um, of EVs on the residual value of ICE vehicles. And where we're seeing these glimpses are in Europe. Europe in many ways provides a good barometer of what to expect in the EV market in the US five years from now, because most people will agree that Europe is generally about five years ahead of the U.S. market in terms of transitioning to EVs. And let's examine why this might be occurring. So one difference between the U.S. and European fleet markets is that the predominant type of lease in Europe is a closed-end lease. This type of lease is popular with European fleets because the residual value risk is borne by the lessor as opposed to an open-end lease. As a consequence, in a closed-end environment, the lessor prices their leases to reflect what they anticipate will be the resale value of these vehicles at the end of their lease terms. So keep this in mind. So with this in mind, the vehicles being leased today in Europe will be vehicles that will be entering the used vehicle market in the 2026-2027 timeframe. What we're starting to see in some markets, in particular Central European markets, is that the residual value for used vehicles with internal combustion engines, especially diesels, are being forecast to be lower 
as the market share percentage of EVs increase. And the question is, is this a local phenomena or is it part of a larger trend? And we really don't know, but we do know it's a topic of discussion among many companies that are operating pan-European fleets. They're trying to assess the reasoning behind these forecasts for the softer resale values. And in the coming years, we're going to be watching more closely European residual value forecasts for EVs to see if this downward resale for used ICE vehicles will start to extend to the broader pan-European market. So with this as my final observation, I'd like to conclude my State of the Fleet Industry presentation for the week of February 14th, 2022. And I'd like to thank you for watching. Thank you.